And the church said? Amen. amen. That's worth an amen right there. God bless you all. You sound great today. It's good to see you. We still got a little bit of this <clears throat> allergy and, you know, whatever, sinus infection thing going on, but I'm doing a lot better. And thank you for your prayers and all the good stuff out there. But God is good. Amen? amen. All right. A pencil maker took a pencil aside just before placing it into the box to go out into the world. He said, there are five things that you need to know, Mr. Pencil. Before I send you out into the world, I'll always remember them and never forget, and never forget, and you will become the best pencil that you can be. Number one, you will be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to be held in someone's hand. Number two, you will experience painful sharpening from time to time, but it will be necessary for you to become the best pencil you can be. Number three, you will be able to correct any mistakes that you make along the way. Number four, the most important part of you will always be on the inside. And number five, on every surface you are used, you are to leave your mark no matter what the condition, you must continue to write. The pencil understood and promised to remember and went into the box with a purpose, a purpose of heart. What's the moral of the story for us? I suppose it could be many things, but truly, never allow yourself to be discouraged. No matter what other people might say about you, never allow yourself to be discouraged and think that you are insignificant to the world because you're not. You are a difference maker. We all are. What a wonderful thing to think that God has a plan for us, the scripture tells us, a plan that would prosper us and includes us. So that makes you a difference maker in life. For instance, the Vacation Bible School, and we just want to focus on that just a little bit since we came out of that this past week. The difference that you have made by all these young people, these children that came through those doors and all the things that went on, you may never know the difference you made in their life this side of heaven. But if you touched one, won't it be worth it? Give me an amen. amen. But you've made a difference from the cooks that served nearly 600 meals, not to mention Friday the hundreds and hundreds of hot dogs and hamburgers fixed, their countless hours in the kitchens, the ones that cleaned up afterwards, changing light bulbs, sweeping floors, and fixing leaks in the ceiling, running the sound system, making signs, putting up all the tables and taking down all the tables and putting up all the tables, the little cutouts, all the stuffed animals, the hippo, the alligators. I'm thinking of over 150 dozen cookies just a note on that, we've sent out a word like on a Thursday or maybe a Wednesday and said maybe we could use a few more cookies. Well, somebody must have got the word because there are two freezer fulls down there. And, but that's how gracious you are. When there's a need, you always meet it. What a blessing. What a blessing. So if you're like an Oreo before you go home, come on by. But nonetheless, um, who can forget all the popsicles? All the popsicles, the games played, the crafts made, our wonderful MCs, two of them for the week, people that check the kids in at the Welcome Center, 
All of our teachers, that hard work that they put in teaching the children, God is a good, good God. The security team, and all of them. The decorations that were put up all over the place, in and down the hallways in each of the rooms, and certainly here in the auditorium in the foyer. For people that volunteered, young people that volunteered, and, and some not so young that volunteered to make sure kids got from one class to another class safely. The jeep out front, the gigantic trees that were made, the trolley being pulled in and out of the garage each and every night. A lot of work went on to VBS to carry it off. The Bible classes being taught for the adults, and the list goes on and on, there is no doubt. And just the fellowship and the fun that we had with each other. People getting here early and staying late, late, way beyond anyone else being here making sure day after day everything was ready for the next night. I, we, all witnessed, if you were a part of that, a beautiful thing at Western Hills. And that was a group of people, all of us working together, wanting to change our world and making a difference in the lives of children. Now, I don't know about you, but I need a vacation. <laughs> But truly, what a blessing, what a blessing. Today, I want to share with you something of how we can help and what will help you in your life and this journey that we're on, our journey. Something that you can take with you. Something that seems maybe elementary, but someone needs to encourage you along the way. And so since I'm the minister, the pastor, whatever term you might use, the little short guy up front, I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter if you're the, the graduate that's just graduated or the one that feels as though they're too old for God to use anymore. You know, I'm really done. I'm kind of retired from all that stuff. No, you're not. And I want to let you know that there's other things that we can be a part of. This, I promise you today, is this is sound advice. It's sound advice not because of Harley and what Harley delivers. It's sound advice because it comes from the Word of God. It's always backed up by the Word of God. God has something great for us. God wants us to be great people while we're here. God wants us to shine for Him. God wants us to be the salt of the earth. There's a reason why He said, go into all of the world. That's left up to us. I believe this. You hear me often say, dream and dream big. On the 20th of this month, just a few short days from now, we will have been here 26 years. And in that time, you have heard me say that dream and dream big hundreds of times. I cannot say it enough. I hope and I pray that the last sermon that I give here and retire and ride off into the sunset or wherever that sunset might be, I just pray that I tell you the same thing, is to dream big. Is to dream big. And I mean that. I would encourage all of our young people to dream big, beyond what you can imagine. To dream big. I mean it. Dream big. In Luke chapter 5, let's look at a couple of things. In Luke chapter 5, you know the story quite well. Jesus is standing at the lakeside and people are gathered around and he's probably getting pushed back further into the water. And finally he says to Peter that's been fishing all night with his buddies, he said, can we borrow your boat for a few minutes? Sure enough, get in. And he begins to talk to the people and, and tell them what he's all about and all those things. And you know that part of the story. And then you know the, the great catch that takes place right after this because they had fished all night and they caught no fish, but now they were catching more than they could hold. 
But in that process, and when he's finished up there in verse number 4, it says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Notice what he tells him. He said there's a catch available. When God tells you something, it's available. Give me an amen. And when God gives you directions to go, you should expect to receive what God says is there. Because it's always there if God says so. And in this process, notice this. He says, to launch out means what? It means to what? Go beyond where you are. It's to go deep. In life, everybody has a dream. Every person in this room has a dream. Doesn't matter if you're a little boy or a little girl, big dreams. Doesn't matter if you're retired. Doesn't matter if you're 80 years old, 90 years old. Every single person in this room has a dream. And every single person in this room has a choice. You can be shallow dreamers or you can be deep dreamers. You choose that in life. You choose that in life. Oftentimes what we do in our dreams, we look at our dream there and, and we, we often we, we dream real big and then something comes along and we turn 30 and then we turn 35 and the dream seems to shrink. Folks, what I want to encourage all of us to do is the older we get, because we're all getting older, dream even bigger. Dream even bigger because God wants us to dream big. What does it mean to dream bigger? Launch out. What does it mean? It means that we have to set goals. Goals have to be set. Coaches do this. Teachers do this. Leadership does this. In every facet, they always try to set some type of goals to establish. And then they set some kind of plan to be able to accomplish those goals in which they have set. And they have to be set out before the people and before yourself to write them down. Write those dreams down. What are you going to do? What are you doing this month to make that come to pass? And all of those. And then seeing that plan unveil. And staying tuned as Christians in God's leading. Oftentimes we get out of the way. We take our dream and we run with it. And God's saying, where are you going? God's saying, am I leading this? Being sure that we are. Covering that with prayer. But also in that, we have to uh, confront our fears. Because along the way, we're going to have fears. There's things going to come up. Even this week, perhaps, you've dealt with something. Somebody gave you a call, somebody told you something, you just thought something or something took place and whatever in your life and you all of a sudden were just overcome by fear. And that just rushes in. You don't want it to, but it causes your blood pressure to go up, causes you to kind of freak out. Some really get and some, uh, you know, they just get out of whack, whatever the case is. But fears come. You have to confront your fears. And when you confront your fears the proper way, God says, I can make them go away. Be anxious about nothing, but in, in prayer, pray in all things, thinking about that. So we have to confront our fears. Devoting your life to something greater than yourself is important in life. If it's all about you, you'll find yourself you. That's it. But if you think bigger than that, if you dream bigger than that, you step outside of that, just like we did this past week. It was not easy. All those things I read off in just a three or four minute read there, that was not all easy. It took multiple time. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of sweat. It took a lot of energy. It took all that to say, man, some, I guarantee you somebody said it was doing all of that, said, I'm not doing this next year. But then after a few days, they rest a little bit. They get their wind beneath their wings again, and then they realize, you know what? It's something bigger than I am. 
and somebody needs to step up. Yeah, I'll do it again. Anybody been there but me? Trust me, I've been there. Now here's to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 3.20. Isn't that a beautiful verse? The power of God working within us. God knew that we would need a power greater than a human power. He knew that we would need that. And he's wanting to let us know right here, he's saying, that power is at work within you. And that power is going to be, be able to take your dreams bigger and further than you ever thought possible. You can't dream enough. You can't dream big enough to out bless God's blessing on your life. You can't do it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Who is in us? Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God, is within us. Greater is he than he that is in the world. The one that says, no, you can't. Oh, give it up. Don't do it anymore. Ah, just forget all of that stuff. No, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Give me an amen. Dream as big as you want to. You hear me say? Dream as big as you want to, but always be willing to move within the dream where God wants to take you. This is huge. This is huge in your life. I promise you that. Is you got to be willing to let God lead you in that dream where He wants to take you. What often we do in that, oftentimes people have a dream and they focus only on a segment of the dream, maybe the part of the dream that they like the best, or the end of the dream. But that's not healthy, my friend. You can't get there before you get there. Who wants to go to heaven? My wife prays about that all the time. Lord, just come. Just come. It's all right with me. I mean, all the stuff going on in the world, and you see it, sometimes you just say, Lord, I just want to be in heaven. I just want to be where it's perfect. I just want to be there in glory land. Give me an amen. amen. You do. But listen, the truth is, you can't get there before you get there. Some of us want that, but that's not what happens. Don't live at the end of your dreams. Live in your dreams journey. It's important. Even the ups and downs, oh yes. In other words, enjoy the trip as well as the destination. Heaven is promised to us if we are a child of God. Give me an amen. The destination is there. God's promised it. You don't have to worry about it being ready. It'll be ready when time comes. It'll be ready just for you when time comes. I promise you that. But enjoy the journey as well as the destination. In each segment of your journey, there is something that God is trying to teach you. Do you know that? And what I've discovered in those segments of my life, um, if I don't get what God's trying to teach me in this segment of my life, somebody needs to hear this today. I don't know who you are. And you're wondering, you, you're, you're really wanting to get past all that, but God's trying to teach you something. And what I've discovered in my life, and oftentimes I get in a segment of my life, and I really want to move on beyond that. But God's saying, I want to teach you something right here, Harley. Pay attention. You know what happens when I don't pay attention there in that segment of my life, even if I don't like it? You know what happens if I don't pay attention? I miss it. You know what happens when I miss it? God's got to bring me back to it again. I didn't, want it. I didn't like it the first time. I'm not going to like it the eighth time either. So I need to say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me here? What are you trying to show me here? What are you trying to teach me and my spirit today here? Do you ever think about that? Some of you hate your job. You hate your job. God's trying to teach you something. All your focus is on that phone call. Boy, I hope they call me. Boy, I hope they call me. There's a reason why God has you right where you are. 
When you fulfill that, he'll see that doors open for you. That's the way God works. Take it. Live in the journey as well. Sure, there's going to be unexpected things. Cars are going to break down. Maybe two of them. Ask some people. But stops along the way, roadblocks, no doubt, here and there. But it's part of the journey. Anybody have a smooth sail? Anybody? Anybody life just perfect here? Because if you are, come on up, because I always want to meet Jesus face to face. I don't even know where I'm at on this thing. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, all right, here it is. Satan is very sharp. Uh, David Rollins taught a whole quarter on Satan's tactics. Now listen to me. Listen to this. Satan knows that God wants to, you to get to the destination that Jesus has prepared for you. Satan knows that. So therefore, since Satan knows that, he's going to throw everything he can against you to keep you from desiring the destination which Jesus has prepared. It's huge. Now watch. If you only think it's about you in that process, you will try your best to overcome that in your own power. There is only one that has defeated Satan, and that is Jesus the Christ. And in him, we too can defeat Satan. Give me an amen. amen. So, what, is, what am I saying there? Whatever comes your way, and I don't like some of the things that come my way. Whatever comes your way, remember that God wants us to relax enough to enjoy the journey because he's in control. Sometimes it's hard to relax, isn't it? Sure it is. Did you ever ride in a car with someone that you scared the bejeebers out of you and you couldn't relax? Somebody's doing this right now. Huh? You, I guarantee a name's popping up. There is a reason why Anita drives everywhere when they drive together. Right, Phil? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Well, me too. It's hard to relax. I would tell you her name's Donna, but that's not true. She's a good driver most of the time. Now, we have to remember who's in charge of all this and who's in the driver's seat. Because his name, again, is Jesus. Relax. Take a big, deep breath and relax. Relax and enjoy the journey and be productive is what he wants for your life. When you are not relaxed in your Christian walk, you cannot be productive for God. You take a tree in the springtime, a fruit tree, for instance. You take a fruit tree in the springtime, and you get a cold front that moves through at the wrong time. You know, it's all butted out. Cold front comes in, gets really, really bitter cold. Do you know what it does to that tree? It stresses the tree out. Guess what? It's not going to produce very well. It's the same thing in your Christian walk. If you are all stressed out, you cannot produce a good crop. And God wants us to relax. He's, under, he's in control. Why? So we can produce the harvest, the fruit that he has for us to produce in our lives. There is no doubt about it. If you keep trying to get in the driver's seat, you're not going to accomplish much in your life. I promise you. It'll be a mess. Anybody try to drive 
Anybody ever tried to tell God, this is what I'm going to do? That's a good way to help it make him laugh, right? This is what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. What is it that you want me to do, God? We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Of How, how do you figure that out? Because a lot of people get this one really messed up. So stay tuned. A few weeks. Not next week. Next week's Father's Day. But maybe the week after that we'll discuss it. How do I really figure that out? How do I know that it's me not just wanting my want versus what God wants me to do? That's a struggle. Struggle for a lot of people. And some of you may not like the answer that I'll give. Or let me say it this way. Some of you may not like the answer that God gives. All right. Off off track. Here we go. Christians fail to enjoy the journey because they look at their circumstance. This is important. Jot it down in the memory somewhere. Christians fail to enjoy the journey because they look at the circumstance instead of the Savior. Did you catch that? That sounds elementary, but it's huge. I don't care what it is in your life. If you're looking at the circumstances, it only gets bigger. Remember last week I told you about my grandson? And, 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 I, and all those things, and I said, I'm not going to stop loving my grandson. Not that he's just a terrible kid, because he's not. But the choices he's made is not the greatest in the world. I'm not going to stop loving him. If I focus on the circumstance, I take my eyes off the Savior that can do all things that work to the good. Did you catch that? So don't do that. I cannot be productive if I'm looking at circumstances. I can be overproductive, if you will, if that's true for me, overproductive if I look at the Savior. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not me doing all things, then I look to the Savior. It gets it out of order. When you get it out of order, things don't work. Scripture says fix your eyes on Jesus, not on your circumstance. So let's look at these just real quick. The Word of God teaches us in every situation, every story, all the stories in the Bible. Now, the Bible, you know, could be 10 feet thick with all the stories that could have been told. But it's not 10 feet thick. It's 66 books, 39 and 27, 3 times 9 is 27, 66 books. And each of those stories throughout the Bible, it's a story for you to learn something. It's not a story about David. It's not a story about Joseph. It's not a story about Peter. It's a story about you and me, where we fit in. Oh, yes, they're included in the story, but if you only read it for the story that it's about them, you miss what God wants you to get. Let me explain it real quick. If I was doing a Bible class, we'd go week by week and just prove it out. Let's look at Abraham real quick. Abraham, this is just a, a good one. In the story of Abraham, he teaches us multiple levels of things. There's no doubt. Where, in fact, all of us are included, praise God, But notice this, in the story of Abraham, he challenges us, not Abraham, but he did Abraham, but he does us. He challenges us to step out of our comfort zone. You remember the story of Abraham. He said, God says, I want you to go. And Abraham said, said, I'll go. Abraham said, where am I going? And God said, I ain't telling you. And Abraham went. Abraham stepped out of his comfort zone because God called him to. He had a great family, he had great wealth, he had all this stuff, but he went. He called him. God has called us. 
God has called you. When you come into the kingdom, you can't even get into the presence of God unless Christ, the Spirit of God, calls you. Now, He calls you in for a purpose. And He's saying, now, will you step out of your comfort zone? Because, you see, Christians can't live in a comfort zone. we got to step outside and live for Christ. If not, nobody knows any different. Nobody knows who you are. Here's another one, a story of Joseph. Beautiful story. A lot to be said about Joseph's life. But he shows how he put a dream within our heart. You remember the dream that he gave Joseph? Sure you do. And how it all came to pass? But do you remember what happened? Joseph had the dream early on, but he had to live it out in his life. So do we. God can place a dream within our heart, but it may take years upon years upon years before it comes to fulfillment, but God is always true to his word. Do you think Joseph sat in the, in the pit one day and said, Oh, God, I think you got this thing mixed up. You think he sat in the prison one year and, uh, one year and simply said, Oh, God, what are you doing? You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing with us. We can say, Woe is me, or we can say, Oh, God, you are a great God that I serve. Here's another one, the story of David. I love his story. But in his story, he teaches us through adversity. David's life was, it, you just look at his life. He, it's adversity, even with his own brothers, you know, making fun of him. And all these other things that went on in his life. Not having a very good life and making really bad choices. But in that, David teaches us what? David teaches us through adversity to love the dream giver more than the dreams. If you love your dream more than you love God, you got it out of order. God is the one that gives the dream, so love God first. And when you love God first, all these things will come to pass. What about the story of Jesus? Don't have enough time. But in the story of Jesus, we discover our dream cost us something. Your dream will cost you something. It'll cost you something, there's no doubt. Dreams are valuable, but they can be very expensive. Time, energy, money. We'll talk about that real quick. They can be very expensive. And to the world, your dream may seem foolish just before God steps in. God steps in and accomplishes the impossible in us. Because you remember, they put Jesus on the cross. It's finished. They all went home. Put him in a grave. He's done. Next day, he's done. Impossible. Possible. Praise God. Give me an amen. It's the same thing with your life. You may think it's impossible for it to come to pass. Keep believing in God and see God work. The world, those around you might say it's foolish, but you know better because you trust a big, big God. Give me an amen. Don't let others steal the dream that God has given you. For even when it seems impossible to everyone else, remind yourself that nothing is too big for my God. Now keep in mind, a couple other things here real quick. Keep in mind that you must also develop great habits. How's your habits? How's your Christian habits? How's your Christian habits? We go down a scale and we talk about all of those things, reading the Bible, you know, praying, meditation, serving others, and giving, and all that. And you went down the list and, and scored it from 1 to 10, 10 being just off the charts. Where would you end up? Aren't you glad we're not taking a test? 
Most people are going to circle five. That way somebody doesn't feel bad and somebody doesn't think I'm bragging. But you know the truth, don't you? Keep in mind, great habits to see your dreams come to pass. If you do not practice good habits, you will fall into the cycle of bad habits. Isn't that true? You don't have to teach yourself bad habits, do you? Anybody have to teach yourself bad habits? Man, I'm going to have a bad habit today. Nobody does that. They just show up. They stick to you like cat hair, don't they? Huh? The only way to avoid them is get rid of the cat. No, don't do that. Avoid cats. Cat lovers don't hate me. Watch this. Watch what happens here. For bodily discipline, notice what the Scripture says, 1 Timothy. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But notice it's profit. So, so yes, it's good to exercise, take your vitamins, do all the things to stay young and all that. All that's good. It's a little profit. It's a little profit. Listen to me. It's a little profit. But one day I promise you, you young people out there, I promise you one day you're going to be 62 and gravity's going to set in. You can't stop it. It's a little profitable. But notice what's greatly profitable. Godliness. Now when is godliness profitable? Godliness is profitable for all things. All seasons, the whole journey, he's telling us. All things. Since it holds promise for the present life, Catch that. You want a blessing in your life? Give me an amen. amen. See it? Are you practicing godliness? Because he says it's going to do something for you now. But it's going to do something for you later. The here and now. Amen? Ben Franklin said it this way. He said, our good habits or our bad habits equal our contribution to society. And they do, don't they? Our world's been practicing a lot of bad habits, and we're reaping the outcome. There's no doubt about that. You know it, and so do I. Make good habits. They are difficult to break as the bad ones. Uh, Blaine's a golfer. He likes to golf, don't you? When you're golfing there, and you're out there, and you're feeling like you're just doing really, really good, do you have a bad, any bad habits golfing at all? You think? I guarantee you do. It doesn't make you a bad golfer at all. Well, it could. Here's my point. We take a professional, and let's say you get an instructor and mom and dad pays a whole lot of money to bring the instructor. In five minutes, any of you golfers out there, I know, Harrington's, Manning's, you getting bad habits? Uh-huh. He, he, five minutes, that dude can stand there. Your feet aren't properly. You got a bad habit of doing this. You shouldn't do that. Got a bad habit of dropping that shoulder. Got a bad habit of not holding that thumb over there where it goes. You got a bad habit of pulling your head up. You got a bad... All these things, they just come in there, don't they? Anybody else golf? Anybody else perfect? You heard about the, you heard about the uh, compulsive liar? <laughs> you heard about the compulsive liar? He went golfing. He hit a hole in one. You know what he did? Put a zero on his card. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Let's go on. Spiritual growth and spiritual greatness demand developing good habits. And with those lived out in our lives, blessings flow on our journey. 
The best habit I can tell you to develop is to seek God first in all things. Why? Because he says, if you seek me first in my righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. When you seek him first, success is on its way. That's his promise. Isn't that great? If I'm seeking God, I can guarantee you that a promise is coming to a fulfillment. Because God's promised it. I didn't. God did. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this one. I'm going to walk in your ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And I'm going to expect an outcome. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I know it's good because everything you have for me is good. Everything. However, remember when you receive from God, something is required in return. Wait a minute. I knew there was a catch here. You mean God gives me something and then God wants me to give back something? Yes. You're called a Christian for a reason. Christian, the word Christian simply means Christ-like. What did Christ give? He gave it all. For who? You. Now, what are you going to give? You see? So when something is given, something is asked, is required from God. Another professional golfer for you, Chichi Rodriguez. You don't know who that is, do you? Yeah, see, I got you on that one. Pick on Blaine Day. No, no, he's a good kid. Chichi Rodriguez. Right? The rest of you people are going, well, this guy's nuts. An old golfer. This is what he said, and it's a very good piece of advice. This is a good one. This one's for you, Brett. Notice what he says. Preparation through steady practice is the only honest avenue to achieve your potential. That's awesome. It is because the preparation connected with the practice is going to take you to the level that you're capable of going to. Some of us were high school players. Some of you were college players. Saul Wilson back there. College players. Some people rise to the level of pro levels. Rise to their potential. If your potential is only high school, that's all you're getting. But if you don't put any practice in, you ain't even going to reach that potential. So you have to learn that in your life. And that's what takes you to the potential that God wants you to be spiritually. You have to prepare for it, and then you have to practice it. Someone said, Harley, how do you preach a good message? You want to know how? Preach a whole bunch of bad ones. Yeah, just practice. I tell the young, young guys that will ever ask as though they ask. They, they usually don't. But nonetheless, I said, just get in front of a mirror. Practice. You have to learn. You have to practice that. And then you can rise to the potential that God wants you to rise to. Give me an amen. amen. Almost finished. Hang on. When you're rewarded for reaching your potential, catch this again, something more is then required again. Every step you take in your Christian walk, there's something required of you to give back. Every step. If you stop, you're just saying, I'm done. I don't want to give anymore, and I'm not giving anymore. And God says, fine. Watch. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much stuff, much more will be asked. What's that saying on our journey? Here's what I believe it's saying. God wants you God wants us to show him what he has blessed us with 
And when you do, you honor him and more blessings are on its way. God just wants to see if we believe what we say we believe. Do you really believe what I'm telling you, he's saying? Because if you really believe what I'm telling you, blessings will continually flow in your life. You want more? We say we do. Then give more. Time, energy, money. My good friends always told me, you can make more money, you can get more energy, take a five-hour energy drink or get more rest, but you can't make more time. It's the most valuable thing that you have. That's how we give to the Lord, time, energy, or money. But in that, you want more, then give more with the right heart and the right attitude. And God will prove to, prove to you once again, over and over again, that he's true to his word. God can't lie. So if God says it, if we put it into practice with the right heart, we will receive the harvest. But you receive the harvest so that you can give more. You catch it? You got a 55-gallon drum, $100 bills. You got a five-gallon five, uh, bucket full of $100 bills. The 55-gallon the drum is all yours. The five-gallon bucket is what you are to give away. People often do this. They begin to just weed out these little $100 bills out of this five-gallon bucket. I'm talking time, energy, and money, whatever you want. We, we dole that out a little bit, and we're like, well, we're going to save this. I don't think they're worth it. You know, I'm going to save that. All the while, our focus on the five-gallon bucket, and we've taken it off the one that overflows promise of God. Where's your focus? A five-gallon bucket or a 55-gallon bucket? That speaks a lot about who we are as Christians. One of the hardest habits for a Christian to develop is giving more. Time, energy, money. It's the hard, one of the hardest habits to develop. But it could be the most rewarding according to Scripture. Because you come to discover God's storehouse is always full of more than you could ever give. One last thing. This is important. Somebody needs to hear this today. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior... Your dream of getting to heaven will never come to pass until you do. Won't happen. You say, well, I'm a good person. Good for you. I'm a good husband, a good wife. I'm a good provider. I'm a, I'm a good person just in general. Good for you. I do good. I think good thoughts. And I'm really good for you. But you will never, ever, ever receive heaven. The dream of heaven will never be yours until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. So why not quit dreaming and become a child today and surrender to Him today? For if you do, heaven awaits. That's God's promise. And you will also discover dreams really do come true. Are you dreaming big? Maybe today you've been stirred a little bit in your spirit to dream even bigger. I pray so. Maybe today you have a prayer request, prayer concern. Maybe it's of, of hurt or pain, something going on in your life, or maybe it's just joy in your life, whatever it is. We stand ready right now to help you with that. If you would like for us to pray with you, you come together as we sing. You come right now.